Hey guys, it's me, Tyler MV, and welcome to season two of the Game Savvy Podcast. We haven't been around in a little while. There's been some major changes, and the first thing we'll notice is that Sterling isn't beside me because we have a new co-host, Bones McPherson. Say hello, Bones. <laughs> hello, guys. For those of you uh, listening to the podcast, I held up a uh, plastic skeleton who's not really the host of the podcast. And what do you think of the new host? I think he's going to have some really good input. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Sterling's not with us anymore, but that's okay. He went on to bigger and better things at Twinfinite. We're so happy for him. Much like his good friend and our good friend of the show, Joseph, who is now doing some wikis for IGN, which is like pretty amazing. So they're out living their dream. The next thing you might notice is that the set looks a little bare. Uh, we got white walls, and that's because I just recently moved into a brand new house, which is very exciting. And the next thing you might notice is the ring on my finger because I got married. So my wife and I have been planning a wedding and moving into this house for the last year. So it hasn't been a ton of time for podcasting, but we're here. We're game savvy. Get used to it. Is that a cheer? I don't know. I'm here and joined by fellow game savviest, <laughs> Emily. How's it going, Em? Great. You excited to be here? Yes, I wasn't coerced at all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I told them they would get paid and then I uh, ripped that rug from right under them. So, and Steven's not here. He was supposed to be joining us, but that's fine. That's okay. It's okay. We're not crying. <laughs> he might hop on a little bit into the podcast and we can just catch up with him. That's fine. So yeah, season two is a go and let's get into it. So the first thing is we're going to talk about is Luigi's Mansion. And do you know anything about Luigi's Mansion? Have you played it in the past? Nope. I know Luigi's in it. <laughs> I used to play Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube. Super fun game. Very charming. Um, I think it's just got that like really cool uh, Nintendo charm to it, which I've been super into lately. Um, the review actually just came out for Luigi's Mansion. And do you want to take a guess as to what IGN reviewed Luigi's Mansion 3? Okay. What's it out of? 10? Out of 10. Seven. That's, yeah, it's pretty close. It's not too bad, but it's actually an 8.3. Hmm. That's like my that's threshold right. when it comes to like good games is like that eight and higher. I'm like, yeah, that's like worth a purchase. Anything yeah. below that, I'm like, nah, I don't know about that. I don't read game reviews. Really? I, I kind of just go for the, the score. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. <laughs> Um, so with an 8.3, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good game to me. Uh, have you seen like the trailers for Luigi's Mansion at all? I saw a little bit of it and I know they played a little bit at the Nintendo, um, E3 conference, which looked pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It did look like a really good game. Um, one thing that I'm super interested in and maybe a little nitpicky, but, uh, Luigi's Mansion actually takes place in a giant hotel, which I guess is fine. Mm -hmm. they call it, you know, call it Luigi's Mansion. That's cool. Um, but just one part of the uh, the review that I want to read here is that Luigi's Mansion 3 had me smiling and laughing at its adorable sense of humor right off the bat. From Mario and Luigi's goofy half-English, half-gibberish conversations to communicating with the ghost-sucking vacuum backpack inventor Professor E. Gad through a virtual boy, 
Um, among other examples, Luigi's latest adventure is downright funny. So one thing Wait. I'm just... What was that? Is this the one with Gooigi in it? Yes, it is. Yes. Ha, I didn't <laughs> know about that. That's the only thing I care about. Yeah, so, I mean, it just sounds like a good time. And I think that's what Nintendo's kind of been pushing is just, like, fun games with a lot of personality. So it's just definitely, like, with the good review coming out, um, with it being a big game coming out, it's coming out October, I do believe, uh, end of October. Oh, it's coming out Halloween, right? Halloween day? Oh, yeah, so two days. Two. Um, I don't know. I think that might be a purchase for me. I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I was looking no, at, like, cool. I was looking at, like, the, the different levels and stuff. Um, and it's pretty cool. It seems like it's a hotel where you like use an elevator and go up one by one by one. And each level is like its own theme. So you have like Hollywood type theme or you have like a jungle theme or you have like, so I don't know. That looks pretty interesting to me. That's cute. Yeah. So Luigi's Mansion, 8.3 out of 10 from IGN. It looks like it's going to be an awesome game. Uh, I'm going to probably grab it. M, do you think you're going to grab it? I uh, probably not right away, but I'm, it might be one to pick up later. And why do you think you won't grab it? May you, might you be busy with another game right now? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> There's something happening just... right now. I'm taking up all my time. <laughs> so what have you been playing all day? Okay. I've been playing Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> the new Call yeah. of Duty Modern Warfare came out this week. Uh, did you check out the review for that? No. Because I don't care what anyone else has to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take a guess at what IGN? So this uh, IGN review was only for the single player. Only for single. I think it probably did really well for the single player. I'm going to say like, like is nine crazy? I would say nine. Nine's not too crazy. No, 8.2. Okay. Yeah. So it's like good. Um, yeah. It's actually like borderline great. I would say an 8.2. So, it's definitely really good. So I'll read some of the review here. After taking a year off in 2018, Call of Duty's single-player campaign has come roaring back in the revival of Modern Warfare name. For my money, this is the best campaign the series has since 2010's Black Ops. And if that sounds like a backhanded compliment, I don't mean it as one. Though it stops short of being a provocative and button-pushing as it seemed poised to be, it's nevertheless an extremely well-designed first-person shooter that refreshes the franchise format just enough with a few cool new ideas and some smart new take takes on others we haven't seen. so that's some pretty high praise coming from uh, ign yeah no i would agree with that though it's really well done have like you played the, the uh, have you played the single player campaign i'm about halfway through that's kind of my go-to when my internet gets bad but it's really really good yeah what do you it's think it's fun well the story there are parts where the story gets really dark which i kind of like i think that it's kind of taking, looking at games about war and really making you think about yeah. what actually happens, which is really interesting. So does it get super realistic? I haven't played it at all. I haven't even seen like any Twitch broadcasts or anything. So does it get super realistic and super um, personal? It does. There's one part today. I wasn't, it wasn't part I was playing, but it was part I was watching uh, Mike play. And I was actually like really uncomfortable really for a significant portion of it do you want to explain that part or is it like too much or is uh, it a spoiler i don't want to i don't know i don't know if there's like it's going to spoil anything for anybody mm -hmm. but there's one part essentially where you are given the choice between whether or not you're going to shoot someone oh damn those are always so tough. And 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I can imagine like those games getting pretty emotional. I remember Medal of Honor back in the day being like a pretty emotional game. I don't know if I'm wrong about that. But I remember that being like a super realistic, super emotional war game. Yeah. So is there like kind of like boss fights in the game? No, not really. No? It's just kind of... Um, you just get more kind of difficult scenarios like so I haven't gotten to any really difficult parts so far okay but you get to kind of ones where there's like a giant um say there was like a helicopter base that we had to take over so it's basically just like waves and waves of enemies that you kind of have to muck your way through to get to the end of it before you can get to the checkpoint Mm -hmm. that's kind of the more difficult points that's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. So you recently awesome. wrote Modern Warfare Multiplayer, The Glow Up. Do you want to talk about the uh, the multiplayer a little bit? Yes, I sure do. <laughs> this is kind of what I said in the article, essentially. This game basically took all the good things that Call of Duty is really good at doing, scrapped all the other junk, and focused on making those really good. Um, Yeah, there's been a couple bugs. Yeah, there's times when it's been a little bit slow trying to get into matches, but it's like everything is smooth. Everything's easy to figure out. You pick the game modes you want. You equip your weapon classes. You add stuff onto your weapons. You play the game. That's it. Yeah, from reading your article, I get the sense it's almost like they didn't do anything different, which was a good thing. They like stripped away everything that they were trying to do different and just yeah. give you like good old fashioned you said boots on the ground call of duty mm-hmm. action well they tried for so long to make it like oh futuristic space war oh we can jump through the air you can land on somebody's head you can slide along the walls and that's all gone it's just run and shoot yeah which is perfect. capture points yeah it's cool yeah i think that's what a lot of uh, call of duty players wanted I recently, uh, I went to the Blurry Pixel the other night and I played uh, Halo 3 and we were doing like a split mm-hmm. screen and stuff. Um, and it reminded me how bad I am at shooters, like, like super <laughs> bad at competitive shooters. So I'm like, are you good at competitive shooters? I'm like, I'm mediocre. I've worked my way up now to the point yeah. where I'm not embarrassing. Okay. So and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable just staying in that point. I'm still the embarrassing. Like I will find somebody first. I will shoot at them and miss and shoot at them and miss and then hit them once. And they're like, oh, I think I'm getting shot at. And then turn around and just kill me in one shot. Yeah. Oh, I am so like, there's, there's definitely some games. Yesterday I was having a really, really good day. And there were some games where I was just carrying my whole team and I was getting all the kills. And then today I was absolute garbage. But Wow. The, the greatest Call of Duty match I ever had was probably Modern Warfare 3, I think it was. Um, it was on my brother's Xbox because I never bought Call of Duty, but I decided to play that day and I was always really bad. And do you remember when you can, you would get up to like 25 kill streak, you get like a nuke or something and like automatically win mm-hmm. the match. So I ended up getting up to 24 kills and I ran out of all my ammo, all my grenades, yeah. and all I had was a knife. And I was yep. like, I was standing on top and my heart was going and it was racing. And I was like, one more kill and I get a nuke. One more kill and I get a nuke. And some guy runs under me and I jump down and I'm not fast enough to catch up to him. And I'm trying to catch up to him. And he's just like, 
and then eventually turns around and shoots me and i was so mad yeah i think that was the last call of duty game i had ever played the adrenaline in some of those is like it gets in- intense when you're doing really well yeah. if I, when i'm doing terrible i don't care and i'm just like mostly yelling most of the time but yeah. if i'm doing really well my heart rate's up yeah no i totally agree it's it's a it's good old-fashioned video game fun i think yeah um another game that's good old-fashioned video game fun i would say is the outer worlds have you had much time to play that between uh, call of duty and everything else I played it a bit. I was saying it came out on a bad day because Call of Duty time for me is like Christmas. It's like, that's (laughs) all I can think about or do. But I did squeeze in a little bit. I might play a little bit more tonight because it's definitely my kind of game. Yeah. And it's made by a studio I really love. So I'm really excited to kind of dig in. Yeah, they did a really good job. So IGN, did you want to guess the score on this one? Okay. 8.2. 8.2. Close, 8.5. Oh, man. Super, super close. Yeah, so this game, I just love, like, the aesthetic of it. Like, the, the only, the best way I can put this is this game is such a mood. Like, it's, it's yeah. just, like, it's Bioshock, it's Fallout, it's Mass Effect. It's, like, all these things put together to make this, like, amazing game. Yeah. And, and, like, when you're looking up at the sky, it's almost like a Skyrim sky, but it's more like Retro's 1950s space to it like i don't know this yeah is just, it's something special they've, they've kind of like stumbled upon i would say yeah um i played like the first kind of like a little bit of it um where you're on like the it's like i guess it's more of like a tutorial planet right you're on the first planet yeah you kind of like go into the first town you meet the first villain you got to make some decisions shoot some people up um and then in the end make an ultimate decision that has like consequences in the story and I'm kind of digging how like a lot of the decisions that you make have like real world consequences. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see how it goes the farther you go because they really pushed that the decisions you make at any point in the game really shape how the rest of the game goes. And Obsidian does that, like they've done that before in, um, what those are called, Pillars of Eternity. Oh yeah, okay. Um, A lot of the decisions in Pillars of Eternity kind of shape how things go at the end of the game so Mm -hmm. that's just like it's a different style and i think that it'll work really well for them if they can do it well and what's interesting is like a lot of times you'll get a game like um oh detroit become human which is completely like they they kill that mechanic to death right the whole like decisions like that's what the whole game is based on and then Mm -hmm. outer worlds is also trying to be this like action shooter so they're trying to be this like decision making action shooter so yeah i'm curious how's the like the quality of the story and the narrative and the decision making as well as the quality of the like will it match the gameplay and the shooting aspect of it mm-hmm. sometimes games try to like be too much all at the same time so i'm curious to like if they can package that they're gonna have something really special with this game yeah so how did you go about uh, creating your character in the game I go for pretty similar looks for most of my characters. So that was kind of like, I just pick like hairstyles I think are cool. There's general features that I always kind of go for making characters. So Nadine Nadine wrote an article about the different types of character creators, which I thought was like pretty interesting. So I'll just go through these really quick. um, Then I'll ask you what character creator you are. So there's the Mm -hmm. projectors 
And so these are people who like try to make their character look a lot like them. And mm -hmm. then there's the creatives who will like just use random wacky things. Like, yeah, I'm going to try to make my character look like Pikachu or something like that. <laughs> and then there's the idealists who kind of try and make like um, a character that looks like them, but much more like muscular or like sexier, or, like more badass or something like that. Right. And then there's like the eager beavers who don't give a fuck and they just use some like defaults and they just like go on with their merry way. So what kind of character creator would you say you are? I'm, I think I'm kind of partway between, like I give myself a new category. I'd say I'm kind of the idealist, but I make a character really individual to the specific character that I want to make. Oh, okay. Like I really try to make them into their own person. Yeah. And I give them a lot of personal details yeah, on you top kinda, of what they look like. You kind of come from like a D&D &D background, eh? Do you kind of use mm -hmm. that same aspect to create your video game characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think way too much about my characters. <laughs> <laughs> so what personality do you What it comes down to. Tell me about um, your Outer Worlds character a little bit. I think she, I'm going to have to build up on her kind of based on how she reacts to certain things. But so far, I think she's kind of like, she wants to be helpful, but really she's kind of just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. It's like you in real like, life. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think it's kind of an idealist situation, but it's yeah. more like a freeing version of myself. <laughs> Yeah, like, I went more. I think I picked a lot of the options where you could yeah. just lie blatantly to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of what options I chose. I think there was a there was some lying in there for sure, but it depended on the situation. I definitely went for more like the Han Solo type, uh, like because I mm. actually found like a default thing that actually looked a lot like me, but he was like way sexier than I am. <laughs> so he so had a lot you're an idealist. Hair. Yeah, he had a lot more hair than I did. That's for sure. And uh, yeah. I was like, wow, that guy looks like a badass. And so I talked about like something about being a gunslinger. And I was like, yes, that's me. So I definitely went the Han Solo route where my character is always thinking like what's in it for me. But at the end of the day, he's mm -hmm. always going to like follow his heart and like follow that empathy and kind of like do the good thing. So that's yeah. how I'm like playing my character right now. And did you, are you more of like yeah. a melee character in Outer Worlds? Or are you more like gunslinger? Yes. I went, I went heavy for the melee. Oh, awesome. I'm I'm pretty favorable in most games towards like heavy weapon and up close combat and in gun like in shooters I'm more into shotguns so I'll probably do a kind of nice shotgun versus melee mix like a shotgun melee combo just punch people <laughs> Yeah, I went for the handguns, and I think I like to go shooter in a lot of these games um, because I'm so bad at online shooters. So, like, <laughs> single-player shooters make me feel so much better about myself. Yeah. Most of them have that, like, auto-aim feature, which is really yeah. neat, so I can get headshots. I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at this. That's how I feel any time I play Mass Effect. I'm like, oh, yeah, this just aims for me. I'm so good at this game. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lose, yeah. I remember when I was playing Bioshock Infinite, they had like a, even if you weren't even aiming close to the, the enemy, you just press the trigger button, it would aim to like the closest enemy. 
and then there was one gun where you like it would shoot as fast as you could press the button so i was literally just spamming like the aim button and then just whenever i get onto something just like spam the the shoot button as fast as i could yeah you you just kill like a hundred people in like a second it was amazing that's like why i was so hesitant to play any kind of tactics games is because my approach is just like run in there and shoot everywhere (laughs) that's perfect I think that's pretty much it for the news. We covered um, Luigi's Mansion. We covered Modern Warfare. We covered The Outer Worlds, which is going to be such a great game. I can't wait to dive more into it. Um, If anybody listening or anybody watching wants to comment below or follow us on Twitter and send us some questions about it, we'd love to answer your Modern Warfare, um, your Luigi's Mansion, and your Outer Worlds uh, questions uh, on the website. Cool. So I think that about does it for the uh, news roundup. Um, Now we'll get into some featured content on the website. So this past Friday... Uh, Because it was Halloween, we focused a lot of our Boss Fight Friday stuff. And for those of you who don't know, Boss Fight Friday is a segment we do on Twitter, as well as on the website where we ask uh, the people of Game Savvy some questions um, that's related to something going on in the industry or something, a a new game that was released, or like this Thursday, Halloween's coming up. And so we talked about some spooky games and some scary stuff. So uh, we're going to get into that right now. So number one, Em, who is your favorite villain from a video game? I know when I answered this, I said the Aeroshock from Dragon Age 2, because I think he's cool. The What's his name? The Aeroshock. He's a Canari. He's basically their, like, military leader. Big everything guy. Everything you're horns. saying is, like, not English. <laughs> like, the Aeroshock. Like, oh, he, oh, he's a Canari. Um, okay. No, wow. He looks take like a, a man and mix him with a giant dragon person maybe he's like scary as fuck like i'm gonna throw this up for the youtubers who don't know who this is but man he is like scary as hell he's this like demon lord is he wearing a mask no he's like this like wait what part are you looking at maybe he is in the part you're looking there's at. Like, i don't know it looks he like can a... get it anyway <laughs> it's like a golden mask but no he's got like purple skin and white hair and big dragon horns he is absolutely terrifying though no, i think he's a pretty good villain to choose i'm not scared of him just to clarify for everyone i'm into it <laughs> you feeling it yeah um so is he like bad for the sake of being bad or is he more like got like a human story to him he they he's not necessarily a villain they come and set themselves up in the town that dragon age 2 takes place in um and then think that they're going to basically clean up the city yeah and kind of in enact their society's rules on it Mm -hmm. sort of thing i think my uh my favorite villain was uh, Majora from Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. There's just something so aesthetically pleasing about like Skull Kid wearing that mask. Like whenever I yeah. look a lot of like gamer tattoo uh, Instagram accounts and uh, there's, there's always these awesome like watercolor Majora's Mask type tattoos. And I just think it's like so iconic. And he's almost this like Joker type character where he like he's playing pranks on people, but they're like deadly pranks. I think that like attracts a lot of people to him because the Joker is so iconic in general. He's pretty aesthetic. Yeah. Too, so I would say definitely Majora. Would I like be- the trickster. Yeah. 
And actually, uh, top video game villains is an article I'm currently working on as well. Just a little plug for you guys at home. So you can look for that. Um, So in in talking about villains, do you prefer a villain who's bad for the sake of being bad? Or do you prefer one with kind of like more of a human backstory? I see I like all villains. I'm pretty on the side of villains when it usually comes to characters anyways. Mm-hmm. I really, I do like when they have a human backstory. I also like them when they're just bad for the sake of being bad. What I don't like is when they take a character who has up until this point been bad for the sake of being bad and tried to give them some human aspect to kind of explain their villainry. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it's interesting because like, like a lot of like old school villains, like the Joker and the Penguin and the Riddler, like a lot of those guys were just bad for the sake of being bad and like Batman would have to stop them. Uh, same mm-hmm. even with like Lex Luthor and stuff. And like there was no like rhyme or reason, but it's slowly changing with like the storytelling that we have now. Like when you look at like, um, oh, what's that show called? The Walking Dead when the governor came in and you're like, like he, like you don't realize he's a villain and he slowly like descends into that darkness. It makes him like one of the best villains in TV. Like he's so good. Yeah. And even like looking at some of the most iconic villains like Darth Vader, who's got one of the best backstories. I'm just like, yep. Like that's somebody who's mm-hmm. just not bad for the sake of being bad. He's like extremely complicated and yeah. much more interesting than like Palpatine, who's just bad for the sake of being bad. Yeah. So in conclusion, I would say, yeah, I like my, my uh, villains with a little bit of a backstory to them. Although in saying that, I should say that like monster movies are so good yes like when you just have like a monster who's just going around eating people i'm like yes so i don't know maybe i like both maybe i'm just maybe i'm just a villain fan so do you play horror games why or why not no i do not and why not i'm scared of everything (laughs) i don't like jump scares and i feel like horror games rely on jump scares to actually make you scared when you're playing them yeah i've been finding that uh a lot of games are getting better at that because i'm not a fan of jump scares just because i feel like they're cheap i always like the idea that like Mm -hmm. you can create like an like a horrific ambiance and there are games that do that really well like resident evil 7 when you're walking around the house you just feel like somebody's behind you the entire time and it's just like this like scary anxiety driving ambiance Mm-hmm. those are the games i'm like super into where they almost like take horror and create it like almost like create an art out of it because anybody can jump scare it seems easy enough yeah i think the other thing is that i'm just really impatient and yeah. i think horror games require you to play them really slowly that's true do you ever play horror games with like other people because i always find playing horror games with like my brother is like awesome playing horror games by myself super boring yeah no i haven't maybe that's a good tip yeah like find a friend just order a pizza grab some beer and just pull an all-nighter playing a horror game it is so much fun because if you get too scared you start making fun of the game you're like oh why would the villain do that what an idiot you're like ha 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 but you're also still like a little scared at the same time um and then there were parts in resident evil 7 where i was like you need to take the controller like i I can't yeah i cannot turn this corner right now because my anxiety is way too high and so you could just like hand off once in a while I went to a haunted house for the first time this year. So I'm like feeling unstoppable. So this would be the year. 
for me to start playing horror games. You should totally do it. Do we know if Steven's going to be doing a Halloween stream? I feel like he wanted to. He said he wanted to play something scary. Yeah, I should get on him. I should just, uh, I'm going to call him out on, on our Slack channel right now. Yo, man. Steven. No, Halloween no. stream. I'll shame him later. So what's your biggest, like, <laughs> personal fear and are there any games that you try to avoid that kind of confront that fear um i definitely am afraid of like lack of control yeah so you and steven both said that can you explain that a little bit i like to be in control of everything and i think that like my biggest fear is any situation where i either don't feel like i'm in control of it or i don't know what's going to happen Okay. So any games where, so I think the games that do that are ones where maybe you are restricted to the speed that you can move. Mm-hmm. You're restricted to like what you can use or what you can do. Those just kind of make me annoyed more than anything. Like, do you have a game in mind that like takes advantage of that? Um, I can't think of any ones off the top of my head. But even like even in Skyrim, like when you have too much, when you're carrying too much and you're moving really slowly, yeah, like that really irritates me. Oh, okay, I totally get it. Yeah. So are there or, games like in Bioshock where all of a sudden your character like you can't control them, and Andrew Ryan's like, would you kindly like hit yourself in the face with this like golf club, and your character starts doing like, would that like give you anxiety? Um. I feel like that wouldn't give me that much anxiety, but like that would probably annoy me. Yeah. Hmm. like yeah, if that was real life then that would give me anxiety because i read uh both you and steven kind of said the same thing and i was like i don't i know there was metal gear solid i think one of the metal gear games was like the villain was like beating you to death and what you had to do was like go up and unplug your controller and plug it back in in order to like oh gain my gosh control back so it like broke down that 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 fourth wall or whatever and like actually like you're supposed to be able to move but the game's not letting you move unless you do something in real life terrible (laughs) that's the only example i can think of when i read what you and uh, steven had said that even makes me now that's just like reminding me that there's all these parts in tomb raider where you have to react really quickly yeah to situations otherwise like you get mauled to death by a tiger or something yeah it's like press the y button at the exact right time and those parts give me anxiety so i'm like i can't press the y button fast enough i'm like (laughs) not coordinated enough for this situation and those like those parts make me really anxious yeah i can imagine that gonna be eaten by this tiger yeah (laughs) um for me i would say my personal fear is definitely like open bodies of water Mm -hmm. and like and to the point where like I downloaded Sea of Thieves knowing what I was going to get into because I was trying to like test myself, but I can't play Sea of Thieves. No. It's just like whenever you drop into the water, I have to pause the game or turn it off or something. So have you played the Outer Wilds? No. So the Outer Wilds is this game where it's a space game as well as the Outer Worlds, but the Outer Wilds is kind of like space camping. And so like you're traveling through, there's like, I would say like maybe seven or eight planets that might be highballing it but each planet has its own environment and there's no combat in the game. And basically you have to like explore and like gain the narrative. Um, anyways, there was one time where I was flying through space and I got pulled in the gravitational pull of a planet pulled me in and it was a water planet. 
and it like sunk my ship and you're allowed to like swim and swim out of it and stuff but i was so terrified that i i I just turned off the game i was like no i'll just restart from the beginning is it that you don't like that you don't know what's underneath the water i think i i think so i don't okay so just to fully like preface this uh when i was younger i watched jaws at a very young age and mm-hmm. I was so afraid of water. It got to the point where I had to like quit swimming lessons. Um, it actually got to a point where I would like do dishes. And if I couldn't see underneath the water of the bubbles, I would start getting like anxiety. Yeah. And I couldn't swim in lakes and stuff. I'm way better now. Like I can do lakes. I can do dishes fine. Like it's totally, it's not a thing. But still, when it comes to really big open bodies of water, I, I just can't. Yeah. Like even Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the game I, I love so much. Whenever I would jump into the water, I would just like panic and try and get to the ship. Because I can understand the like really, really deep water where you have no idea what's under there. That freaks me out. Yeah. So that would be the only thing. And I do try to avoid games. Like a Sea of Thieves is probably my last venture into like an aquatic game. Um, but I'll probably try and avoid those games because I just, it's super weird, but I just, and I know it's like fake. It's like a super fake video. I don't know, but it's like, yeah, it's super weird. So that would be my my non-horror game that I'm scared of the most is probably Sea of Thieves or even Assassin's Creed Odyssey whenever I'm like in the water and stuff. So that was pretty much it for Boss Fight Friday. We got some good action on Twitter with a lot of people uh, commenting and stuff, which was really nice. Um, so if you guys see our Boss Fight Friday tweets, uh, absolutely give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we do it every single Friday, and we just like to talk about video games. And we call it Boss Fight Friday because you're supposed to be working, but actually you're fighting your boss by uh, tweeting at us all day. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get into I our next piece. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a really long drink here and then I'm going to start and then I'm going to cut the video to when I finish. (sighs) In video form, that's going to sound like a one second drink. Same with audio form, I guess, too. Well, 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 look who it is. Stephen Jones joining us for the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Good. I'm late, like all of my articles. (laughs) (laughs) So we just finished the Boss Fight Friday section. So I have a couple questions for you. Uh, who is your favorite villain in video games? Uh, in like all of video games? It's... All of video games. See, I have these answers and I'm trying to look at them without you noticing. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to your answers? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know, probably Al- Albert Wesker from Resident Evil. And what do you like about him? I don't know, he's, he's kind of just awesome. <laughs> the first Resident Evil, not from like Resident Evil 5, where it was a complete fucking Dutch bag. <laughs> so is he like a villain that's like bad for the sake of being bad, or does he got have like have more of a human story behind him? I mean, he's doing it for money, so that's a pretty human reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, is that a human reason? I thought anybody can be bought for the right amount of money. That's true. That's very true. So do you play horror games? Why or why not? I do. Um, I don't go out and seek them, but I mean, I like that aspect. The same reason I like horror movies, because I, I don't know, there's just something about being scared that's a little bit, uh, I don't know, it's just nice. I like it. It's entertaining for sure. Do you ever play alive. with like... Do you ever play with like other people or do you usually play them with yourself? 
I usually turn the lights in the living room off and Sharon will sit on the couch behind me and I will play them and she will laugh every time that I jump and almost pee myself. <laughs> you know, like a married man. couple. <laughs> like, yeah, the best time that I have playing games is definitely just inviting my brother over and just grabbing like a pizza, grabbing some beer, like pulling an all-nighter, playing like Resident Evil 7 or something. Like, it's, it's so yeah. much fun. Because when you get too scared, you start like making fun of the video game or like you're like, oh man, you got to play this part. I can't walk around that corner. Like I'm too scared and yeah. take it from there. So what's your like your your biggest like real life fear? And do you avoid those games that kind of like confront those fears? I have like I have a, a, a fear of like not being able to see not so much as like the dark, just like not having my vision. Okay, do you want to explain that a little bit? <laughs> well, because, like, I've my entire life I've been wearing glasses, and my eyes have just gotten progressively worse, so losing my sight so much is, like, not having it. Okay. Are there any games that, like, deal with that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Get on it. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite horror game? Um, see, this I should know. But uh, either Resident Evil... Two, the remake, and mm-hmm. Resident Evil Seven are both up there on my top. Yeah, and that's what we had on the list. Good job, man. Yeah, see, <laughs> look at it. That's perfect. So yeah, that pretty much concludes Boss Fight Friday. If you guys have any questions, send them in. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. We do this every Friday, and you can follow along on Twitter. We actually do um, this every other Friday. Every other Friday, that's right. I'd like to get back to doing it every Friday. We can do the fifty questions thing or whatever. Um, just like whenever on, yeah like or on like every wednesday or something or every thursday yeah so if people have suggestions send them in yeah for sure for sure um so another oh. article that i took months to write um which was like pretty awesome and fun was the top 25 video games from the 1990s uh are, you both grew up in the 90s i assume uh, yeah, actually, i was born in 1991 but didn't grow up until just recently. Yeah, fair okay. enough. <laughs> and uh, you also in 1991? Yep. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so we, we're looking at the top games from the 90s, which I think is like one of the best eras in video games uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, one, I think it's when like Nintendo was really trying hard. And so we got some really classic high quality games because they were competing with Sega. And two, we also had this like evolution of technology that went from like the birth of games in the 2D phase to like the maturity of games in that awkward adult phase when they were just introducing 3D. So they had to get really creative with it. So I'll just like, what I'll do is I'll go through the list real quick. And then maybe you guys, we can talk about some games that, well, what games would you guys put at the top as the top games from the 1990s? And Em, we'll start with you. Okay, well, I can tell you what some of my favorite games from the 90s were. First one, Mickey Mania on Sega Genesis. Mickey, can you tell us a bit about Mickey Mania? Mickey Mania was amazing. <laughs> Best thing ever. Do I have any? Uh, I feel like Spyro was pretty up there for me too. Spyro made my list for sure. I'll, I will admit Mickey Mania was not on my list. Um, that's because you were mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the 90s, I played a lot of 80s games so i feel like a lot of them i just wasn't really familiar with 
Fair enough. Okay. And Steven, what are some games uh, you think should be? Uh... Well, um, Gex for one. <laughs> uh, what about Banjo Kazooie? Banjo Kazooie can. Fuck <laughs> Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> not even that good of a game <laughs> any other games you'd like to put on your list of top 90s games um crash bandicoot the first crash bandicoot yeah i like i like the idea of crash bandicoot because crash became like the playstation mascot for a little bit right he was kind of like the, the yeah in front, he was kind of like the anti-mario and they even yeah. had like campaigns and it was funny too because playstation was always like stop comparing uh, crash to mario but then their whole campaign was like a hey, plumber boy and it's like you're directly competing with mario <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> made no sense but i'll just quickly go through the list a little bit um for our listeners um and for our youtubers um and then we can debate whether it's a stupid list as most gamers like to point out or if it's a fantastic list that i think is awesome all right number one Super Mario World from the 19th. Also, these weren't in any sort of ranking order. These were just in chronological order. The, the order by release. Oh, so you did them in order of release? Yeah. Yeah. So there wouldn't be some crazy debate about like, oh, you got this game above that game. Like, it's impossible to rank some of these games. 17 and it should have been an 18. How yeah. could you? It's like, all right, guys, calm down. Like, all right. So Super Mario World, 1990, classic. Uh, the Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past 1991 fantastic game Sonic the Hedgehog 1991 Mortal Kombat 1992 Doom 1993 Super Metroid 1994 awesome game Donkey Kong Country 1994 Um, I put Warcraft 1 and 2 because Warcraft kind of introduced us to the world of Azeroth and really like started that whole like it's the reason why World of Warcraft is a thing but then Warcraft 2 kind of like perfected it and it was like a much better game. So I put them both on there. Pokemon Red and Blue version, uh, Super Mario 64, which came out in 1996, Mario Kart 64, Resident Evil, uh, the original Resident Evil, Crash Bandicoot, Diablo, uh, which came out in 1996, Goldeneye 1997, Final Fantasy 7. Um, a lot of people, I had some arguments on the weekend about Final Fantasy 7 versus Final Fantasy 6. Um, if either you care about that. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, fantastic game. Spyro, Banjo-Kazooie, StarCraft, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which is awesome. Middle Gear Solid, Half-Life, Super Smash Bros, and Star Wars Episode One Racer. All right. What do we think of the list? And we'll start with you, Steven. I think that Mario does not... Well, no... Okay, you know what? Super Mario Brothers is fine. Up until like three. Mario Sunshine, after that, they were garbage. But that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> so are you disagreeing with Super Mario World with being on there? Yeah, I'd say Super Mario Super Mario 3 is probably the best one. Okay, all right. When did that come out? I don't even know. 1990. Really? release date super mario world is the game that got me into video games so i'm like super by no super mario 3 came out in 1988 in japan so okay but it grew up okay it grew up in the 90s though (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm saying is that like i grew up on an nes with all the games my dad bought in the 80s so like mario original mario mario 3 
Mm-hmm. That's fair enough, yeah. And I grew up with Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. So, like, I'm, like, fully into the 90s and N64 and PlayStation and stuff. I don't know. It was a really good time. Like, it it was really great, too, because I just bought um, the uh, Super NES Classic that came out. So, I got Mm -hmm. to revisit, like, a lot of these games. And what's crazy to me is, one, how many Nintendo games are on here? Because they just dominated the 90s. And two was how many of these games, like, still hold up today? Like, you can play through Super Mario World or you can play through A Link to the Past and it'd still be, like, a fantastic game that some indie developer could come out with tomorrow and it would win awards. I... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I started playing Mario Kart, the 64 version, on my Switch and I wanted to murder everyone. (laughs) (laughs) See, I feel like games on the Super Nintendo aged really well. Yeah. Also, yeah. 64, aside from like a select few, did not. No, absolutely not. No. And like whenever the Rare Replay collection came out, I think that became very apparent. Whenever you'd play Banjo-Kazooie or Conker's Bad Fur Day, you're like, oh my God, the controls and the camera angles in this are awful. It was meant for that awkward like N64 type mm-hmm. controller. Um, one game that I was like, like when I was going through this, I was like super pumped about it was Mortal Kombat because we had released an article um, or we released, I think we did a boss fight Friday on violence and video games. And like mm-hmm. in researching Mortal Kombat, that's like the game that started it all. When Mortal Kombat came out, the US government was trying to ban it because it was too violent. It was saying children playing it were, were too violent. Um, but what was also cool about it was Mortal Kombat also like became this giant franchise that had like movies and comic books and all these cool things and like such a a stamp in pop culture i would say so mortal kombat was a game i was really excited to put on this list for a while the mortal kombat theme song was my ringtone on my phone (laughs) did it start off with like fight it started off with like the yeah or did it just go into mortal kombat yeah, it was that. It was that. It was definitely that. And it went yeah. off during a work meeting one time. <laughs> and it was very awkward. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'll probably cut this part. I'll probably cut this part from the podcast. But there was one time where we were in a uh, work meeting. And we had a client. Um, and we were like, we need your password to get onto your website or something like that. And without even blinking, he was like, oh, the password is doggy fuck. <laughs> And my boss awkwardly laughed because he thought it was a joke. And then the guy repeated, doggy like, fuck. No. <laughs> it was the most awkward, matter-of-fact matter thing that's ever happened to me. It was so But weird. no one's ever going to guess that. Exactly. Uh-huh. It was so funny. And he's like this dirtbag lawyer, too. It was really funny. Oh boy. That's on brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, another game. Did you guys ever play Donkey Kong Country? No. Uh, for my yeah. entire life. um so the cool thing about donkey kong country was um back in the early 90s nintendo had such a rough battle with sega that they were actually like hurting i think there was that video game crash that happened as well um and so like video games in general were kind of getting a bad rap especially with the mortal kombat stuff so like video game sales in general were hurting and donkey kong country was the game that like made gamers come back to the super nes and actually single-handedly saved nintendo as a company That's just like a super fun fact trivia about like Nintendo and Donkey Kong Country when I was like doing my research about it. It was really awesome. I didn't know that you could give me a reason to hate Donkey Kong Country. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, okay, so what would you put as like the top? Like, what would be your number one '90s game? Metal Gear Solid. You think Metal Gear Solid? That's a pretty. Yeah. That's a pretty solid choice. Story wise, yes. That like story wise, that game holds up. Gameplay wise, not so much. Not so much, eh? Like I played. They just put the uh, HD collection of Metal Gear Solid two and three on Xbox. Yeah. Game Pass, and I tried to go back and replay Metal Gear Solid two. And oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And what about you? What's your top 90s game? I, well, I think I'd say Spyro just because for the next generation, that inspired most of the games that I played. Yeah. For mm-hmm. A long period of time. Spyro was a cool choice too because you had Mario um, who was jumping around. You had Banjo-Kazooie that was kind of like same as Mario but had some flying mechanics. And Spyro was kind of just like all flying, which was pretty cool. People aren't like just getting used to the whole 3D space and to add like flight into that was like pretty cool. Um, I would say my top game coming out of the 90s, it was really tough because like Ocarina of Time and A Link to the Past are just like two awesome timeless games that like just and same with breath of the wild too like those three games to me are just like the epitome of gaming uh but pokemon red and blue i thought established like a giant enormous billion dollar franchise and like there's like nothing more iconic than pokemon except kylie jenner It's Pikachu or Kylie Jenner. It's one of the other guys. Kylie Jenner, Pikachu, everything else. <laughs> so, guys, if you have any uh, opinions at home about what you think the top 90s games are, uh, you can comment below in the video or you can h- head over to our Twitter and you can yell at me about how terrible my list is or about how fantastic you, you think the list is. Um, if there's any games that you think I missed, you can comment below the article and let me know because I'm very open to changing my list. And there's also one other game that I really wanted to talk about, and that was Star Wars Episode One Racer. That was the last game I put on there, and it's super random, but it comes from a time when, like, The Phantom Menace came out, and it was absolutely terrible, but Lucasfilms was still really good at, like, making video games, and every racing game that had come out after Mario Kart was just a complete copy of Mario Kart, like Diddy Kong Racing and Crash Team Racing and stuff. So... Episode one racer was like the first racing game to come out. That was like completely different. It was awesome. It was fast paced. The levels were super interesting because they were like different planets from the star Wars universe. And you could also use characters from the star Wars universe and like upgrade your ship and stuff. So I thought that game was like absolutely like had to be on the list. And that's my opinion on that. Um, Do you guys have a uh, episode one racer opinion at all? I like Phantom Menace, and that's all I want to say. <laughs> Darth Maul is like an epic villain. Like, he was one of the best Star Wars villains. He was so cool. A lot of Darth Maul thoughts that I won't get into. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about Star Wars. <laughs> hey, I'm wearing my Star Wars shirt, too. Hey, did you watch the I, Mandalorian trailer? I did. Yeah. I'm we have a lot so of- excited. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. All right, that pretty much wraps up our top 90s games. And that pretty much wraps up the podcast. I think we can end it with a little bit of a hype train. Hype train. I want some animation going or something. Anyways, uh, hype train where we talk about what we're excited for. Um, And I'll start by saying that Pokemon Sword and Shield is coming out next month. And I am super excited about that. Um, I just was speaking to my buddy, uh, Joseph, who his wife, uh, them and his wife, him and his wife, 
just bought a, a Nintendo Switch Lite just so they could play Pokemon, which is like hilarious because uh, she's a huge Pokemon fan. I'm super excited about it. In fact, I wrote an article that was entitled Pokemon Sword and Shield is the Pokemon game I've been waiting for for the last 20 years. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm going to be working on a top, I'm going to be working on a ranking of the Pokemon games over the years, which is probably going to be pretty controversial, but that's fine. M, what are you excited for on this hype train? Hype. Tyler is a big nerd. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I derailed myself. Okay. N7 Day is coming up. Can you explain what N7 Day is for those uh, listeners who don't know what that is? It's the only holiday that matters. Yeah, it's the only (laughs) holiday that matters because it celebrates Mass Effect. So, Stephen and I are teaming up to work on an article about Mass Effect again for N7 Day, so keep an eye out on that. What's the title of it? You You had a pretty cool title going. Yeah, what was the title of it? I forget already. Suiting up. Suiting up for what was the rest? A look at the relatability of Mass Effect's main protagonists. I think. This is why you're in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Steven, you want to keep this hype train going? Whoop, whoop. Got to stop doing that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to keep it energetic and flowing, guys. Come on. Okay, yeah. Just no, meet okay. me halfway. Yeah, okay. No, um, <laughs> the uh, the new Star Wars game that's coming out, Fallen Order. Uh, yes, I'm so excited, excited for that. Excited for that. Are you going to be working on any content for it? I think you should, or at least stream it. That'd be fun. I will stream it because uh, if I say that I'll work on it, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> work on it in secret and don't tell anybody. That's why I haven't actually said that I'll work on anything with Emily. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much it for the Game Savvy Podcast Season 2. This was an awesome launch episode. Um, I'm going to be working on this set for the next uh, podcast. I think I have some shelves I'm going to throw up. Maybe put some little pop panels and stuff. I'll there. put stuff on my walls for the next episode, too. <laughs> yeah, what's with all the blank walls, guys? It's a different room. It's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thank you guys so much for watching listening we really appreciate it if you have a chance follow us on twitter you can check us out at gamesavvy.net to keep up with our articles you can sign up for our email newsletter there um, and that's pretty much it so that's uh, me Tyler MV do you guys want to sign off sign off one by one (laughs) do I see that's me Emily and and the other guy I'm I'm Steven. And Steven. And that's Game Savvy Podcast. Stay savvy, my friends. (laughs) 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 Have you guys seen it? Have you guys ever seen Nardwar on YouTube?